Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, go with me to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's not a big deal. All the words this morning will be up on the screen so you can follow along. Uh, but if you have one, Ephesians chapter one. Um, while you're turning there, in case we haven't met, uh, my name is Brandon and uh, my wife, who you just heard from, uh, Pastor Jenny, we are the campus pastors here on this particular particular location. And I just wanna say this morning before we get started, one more time, welcome to church. Uh, we really are so thankful and so glad that you are here this morning. We know that you could be anywhere. Uh, that would be, could be another church. That could be your couch watching Sports Center or the news or whatever your, your choice is, drinking a cup of coffee, but you're here and it's a big deal. And we're so thankful every time we get to gather together in the house of the Lord. And so thank you for being here. Welcome on behalf of our senior pastors, Pastors Gil and Debbie, who are not on this campus this morning. I just want you to know it's a really big deal and we're really thankful every time you gather. Uh, we, we say it often, but we believe as a church that the church church is not just a building. It's not just an address, but we are the church. We're the body of Christ. The Bible says we're all individual members of one body. And that means that when you're not here, we, we actually miss you. And may, maybe we don't miss you, you know, by, by name. You might be thinking like, no one even really knows me here. No, if God's called you here and you're not here, we, we, we miss you. There, 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 there's an absence in the atmosphere. Why? Because you're a part of the body and you bring something every time you gather. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Ephesians chapter one, we are this morning starting um, a two-week series leading up to Mother's Day. Um, it's not necessarily connected to Mother's Day. It's just a series that we're gonna be doing until we get to Mother's Day. Uh, but it's a new series that we're starting this morning that's simply titled this, It's Who I Am. It's Who I Am. And uh, we're starting this series talking about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. Now, how many of you know that uh, identity is a really big thing? Like our, our identity, how, how you perceive yourself, who you see your, your, yourself to be, where you get your worth, where you get your value, your identity is a big deal. I, I think more than maybe we know or we recognize or at least more than we acknowledge sometimes, our identity or how we see ourselves, it really does impact almost every part of our life. How, how, how you see yourself, it impacts the way that you see the world. It impacts that you, the way you see other people, the way you see circumstance and situation. Your identity impacts your ability to walk with confidence. Your, your, your identity, speaking of the things of God, it impacts your ability to really be, be sure of God's love and really be sure of the promises of God and in faith take hold of what God has given you. And, and I, I, I just have a sense, I have a stirring this morning that God really does want to minister and, and I know it's kind of a churchy word and I don't use it lightly, but he really wants to minister or, or to do something deep within us as it relates to our identity today. Because how many of you know this? It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. You could be in church your entire life. There's a difference in knowing something intellectually and knowing it in, in here, isn't there? There's a lot of things we know right here, but we actually don't believe them. There's a lot of things that we know intellectually, but they actually haven't changed or transformed our life because it's a thought, it's an idea, it's a concept, but it hasn't made its way into our heart and become something that, that defines us or something that changes us. And we, we say it often, but I just wanna remind you, our goal is never information. You can go anywhere for information. It, our goal is never just inspiration. Our goal is revelation from God. We, we, we need a word from God. I don't just mean we need to hear a preacher. We need a word within the word. That sounds really churchy and spiritual. Like, what do you mean a word? With, I, I mean, you don't need to hear the voice of a preacher. You need to hear the voice of God speaking to you on the inside. We, we, we need revelation that leads to transformation in our life. And I'm just believing that as we talk about identity, that something that maybe some people would consider and count as fundamental, basic. Oh yeah, no, I, I've, I, I've already heard that. I remember one time I was talking to a parent 
And I said, hey, I've been missing your, uh, your, your student. I haven't seen him in youth in a long time. And um, I, the fact that he said this still blows my mind. Uh, blows my mind that he said it, and it blows my mind that he believes it. He, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Pastor, um, everything you guys preach in youth, my kids, they already know all that stuff. I'm thinking, wow, your kids are advanced, bro. Like, you have some advanced spiritual, they, they know everything in the whole Bible, and, and what, what, what was so astounding to me is that it was a reminder that we, we really can't think like that. I've heard that before. I, I, I know that. I, I've heard those truths before. I know that Bible story. There's a difference in knowing it and, and again, knowing it on the inside. And I'm just telling you, there's some things that we think we got, we don't really got. There's some things that we think we got, we know our life, our confidence, the, the way we see ourselves and we see the world, the way we carry ourselves, it is proof pointed evidence. Oh, you, you think you got it, but you don't, you don't got it. And I want to talk, talk this morning about some very basic, fundamental things. But again, I'm believing that God, he's going to speak to us deep down on the inside, give us revelation, give us an actual like spiritual insight that causes our heart to be different. Someone said amen. So Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse four, um, the book of Ephesians is written by a man named Paul. He's the apostle Paul. And uh, Ephesians, if you don't know, it's one of the prison epistles, or in other words, one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was in uh, Roman imprisonment. And, and sc- scholars will tell you that Ephesians seems to be written with this profound conviction, this, this newfound revelation or this fire burning in Paul's heart of who the church is, that the church actually really is the body of Christ. We've, we've already said it, but that the church is not an address. The church is not a building. The church is not a Sunday morning gathering, that the church is God's people who have been called and gathered together as the body or the expression of Christ on the earth. And scholars will tell you that Paul seems to write the book of Ephesians with this, just this, this fire in his belly that the church really is the expression of God on the earth. And God really has ordained or planned for the church to, to confound and disrupt and disarm all the works of the devil on this earth. However, one, one, one scholar writes this, and I, I wanna read it to you because it's such a good quote. It's a short quote, but I don't wanna mess it up. One, one, one scholar writes this, with this understanding, Paul, Paul writes, and, and he, he has an awareness that before we're called to war, or before we're called to do something great for God, we're called to walk. And before we're called to walk, we must know where we stand. This, this man, man writes that Paul seems to write the book of Ephesians, yes, with this profound realization, revelation, fire in his belly. The church is powerful. God's people are powerful. They're the expression of Christ on this earth. And God wants to use them to disarm and confound and disrupt all the evil that's happening. Yet, be, before they can do that, they have to know how to walk. They, they, they have to know how to live before God. They, they actually have to know how to walk in and practice the ways of Jesus. And before they can walk in the ways of Jesus, they must know where they stand. Therefore, the book of Ephesians is written in two sections. The first section is all about identity, chapters one through three. The the, the second section, it's about Christian practice. And so we're reading this morning out of Ephesians chapter one, this first section, this first chapter, where Paul begins to talk about God's great plan, God's great prepared plan for for helping us or, or bringing us into the identity that he has for us. Now, that's a lot of introduction for these two verses. Ephesians chapter one, verse four through five. Here's what the apostle Paul writes. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us, prepared, preplanned us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his 
will. I wanna read that one more time. I wanna highlight a few, few words that I think will be important for, 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 for you to catch. Just as he, he chose, notice that word. This is God's choosing, his choice. Just as God chose us in him, who is him? He's referring to, to Jesus, his son. We say this oftentimes in church, and if you're not a church person or you haven't been around long enough to you know, learn all the secret code words that we probably shouldn't use because they're not inclusive to everybody, we use this word in Christ. And all that means is that when we've given our life to Jesus, that God takes us and he covers us with the finished work of his son. So, so God doesn't see you for, for, for your works and your behavior. God's not looking at you and relating to you based on your good works, what you have or have not done. No, you have been covered in Christ. Kind of a silly, dumb example, but you can't see the color of socks that I'm wearing right now because they've been covered by, by a shoe. Unless you're wearing flip-flops, we can't see your toenails. That might be a good thing. Someone said amen. Be, because they're, they're covered by something. When the Bible says we're in Christ, it, it's reminding us the moment we gave our life to Jesus, we were covered. See, a lot of us, we still think about and we still relate to God and to ourself based on all the stuff that we have and haven't done, based on our effort, based on our determination, based on whether or not we were disciplined and diligent enough to keep all of our New Year's resolutions that we stopped doing on January 17th. God, no, no, God doesn't relate to us like that. God doesn't see us like that. that, 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 that that's not how our relationship with him is set up. We've been covered in the finished work of his perfect son. So now we are, we are in him. The, the Bible says, you can throw that verse up. I know I kind of, Stop reading it and you probably thought I was done with it. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world so that we can be holy and without blame before him. Why? In, it's in love. It's because he loved us. Having predestined, predetermined, prepared, preplanned us to, to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. According to, I love this, the New Living Translation says he did it because it brought him great pleasure and because he wanted to do it. Why is it that God prepared and preplanned for us to be adopted into his family? Because he wanted to and because it gave him great pleasure to have us as a part of his, his family. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Very simple title. It's the title of the entire series. But I've titled the sermon simply this. It's who I am. It's who I am. And, and I wanna take the next few moments that we share. Someone said a few in Jesus' name. Just next few moments that we share. And, and, and I wanna ask that God would help us to become so convinced in who he says that we are that we start saying it's, it's who I am. Hey, no, 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 this identity that God has given me, it's not an intellectual concept. It's who I am. I'm telling you, when, when you get convinced of who God says that you are, it changes everything. One more time, can we pray and ask God that he would speak to us? God, today we approach your word with great sobriety recognizing that we do not have the intellectual ability, no matter how smart we may think we are, to figure this thing out on our own. No, you, you had 12 disciples that walked with you. They heard every sermon you preached and still they, they didn't get it. And it wasn't until you breathed on them the gift of your Holy Spirit and, and opened their eyes to the scripture that they, that they understood it. And so we pray in the same way that Holy Spirit, you would breathe on us this morning, that Jesus, you would actually open our eyes to the scripture. You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive in all confidence and assuredness who you say that we are. And we ask that it would begin little by little to change us in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen, amen. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but one of the things that sticks out to me about the scripture we just read is that before God pressed start on creation, that God already knew that Adam and Eve 
would sin. That God already knew that, that humanity in large part, his creation that he created for relationship with him would, would reject him wholeheartedly. He already knew that we did not have the ability in ourself to, to live up to his holy standard and to be able to have relationship with him. And thus he, having already known, Paul says he prepared, he pre-planned before the foundation of the world. He set in motion a plan and he chose us because he loved us. And he made a way for us to be holy and blameless and brought into his family through adoption. In these two scriptures, there are three things that I'd like to show you this morning that that speak to our identity. And the first one is this, you can write it in your notes if you're taking notes. Um, It's simply this, that that we are loved and we are chosen by God. I I don't see very many, if any, elementary school students in in the room this morning. So I'll just ask, can you remember elementary school? Do do you remember PE or recess time when when you guys played games like kickball? I said you guys, when we play games like kickball and soccer and basketball, do you remember how you used to pick teams? I'm not in elementary school anymore. I don't know if they still pick teams like this, but do you remember that whole team picking thing where you get two captains and they do rock, paper, scissor? to see who goes first, and then they, they, they pick teams. Come on, how many of you know there's nothing better in life? That's a bit of an exaggeration, but you get it. There's nothing better than being the first picked. Like, am, am I right? Because you know, they just did rock, paper, scissor over me. I am, like, you, you get picked first and you're like, you already know. Like you saw me yesterday at recess on the kickball field. You saw how hard I kicked that ball. Did you see me run? Obviously, I'm number one. There's nothing better than getting picked worse. But how many, how many of you know there, there's also nothing worse than getting picked last? Because when you get picked last, what do you know? That you're on the team, but you're on the team by default. Nobody wanted you. you you're on the team, but it was default we, we were picking and they did rock, paper, scissor at the end because they did not want you on the team. And, and I, I just wonder this morning if sometimes we live life in, in our perspective and in how we, how we relate to God, feeling like I'm only on God's team by default. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a part of his family. Yeah, I know he loves me, but, but, but it's gotta all be by, by default, right? Because I don't feel like I'm very worthy. Can I tell you what the Bible teaches us? That you and I, we were chosen by God. That God, he, in, in, in a way that we cannot quite comprehend because we are not God, before the foundation of the world, he saw you and I individually and he chose us. He said, I choose you. I want relationship with you. I, I, I want to be in, 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 in communion and fellowship with you. I want, I want to use your life. I, I want you to have a calling. I want you to have a purpose. God, he chose us before the foundation of the world. And why did he choose us? Because he'd already set his, his love on us. What does the Bible say? John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Wait, so, so why did he, did he orchestrate this whole plan of salvation? Because God so loved you and I. And he'd already chosen us and desired us to be in relationship with him. And therefore he, he prepared and he preplanned for us to be able to have relationship. Why? Because he loved us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God, he demonstrates his own love towards us. He proves it. He's already proven his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that God, he's already proven. He's already demonstrated this love with which he set upon us by by sending his son, by Jesus giving his life before you ever even made a move towards God. Can I tell you, God, he made a move towards you. We we, we say things in, in Christendom sometimes because they sound good, but they're just not true. Yeah, I remember back in 1977 when I found God. You didn't find God? God found you. 
yeah, I remember, you know, when everything changed, when I really just decided, all right, God, I'm going to love you better. No, you didn't. God set his love upon you. He found you. He chose you. He called you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, actually, it's impossible for anyone to come to salvation unless God reveals in their heart who I am and who he is. We didn't somehow draw, like, that's it. From now on, I'm giving my life to God. No, you, you were chosen by God. God so loved and desired relationship with you that he proved it, he demonstrated. And here's the thing about God's love, you cannot shake God's love. Romans chapter eight, verse 38 to 39, listen to what it says. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I know this example isn't even close to depicting the reality of God's love, but sometimes I feel like God's love's like my kids. I just can't shake them. Like, it doesn't matter what room I go into. It doesn't matter what closet I find. It doesn't matter if I go in the front yard or the backyard or the neighbor's house. My kids find me. All the parents said amen. Their volume finds me. Their questions find me. Can I tell you, you can't shake God's love. Some of you, you, you live like, like you shook God's love back in 1993 because of that one decision that you made that you wish you could take back. Some of you think that, that you, you're, you're, you're in a continual place of, of somehow separating yourself because of your inconsistency. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God that has been poured out and set upon you. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. God, he is always and will forever have a love that is set upon you that you cannot separate from. I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. Well, you're in good company. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter three, verse 19. Listen to what he says. He said, I'm praying for you that you would know the love of Jesus, which passes or surpasses knowledge. Did you know that God's love is so big and so vast and so good that it has room for your questions and your doubts? That it, it's, it's not afraid of you not, not feeling like you, you can fully, no, 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 God's love is so good, it is so big, it is so, it is so vast, it's beyond your ability to intellectually ever fully understand it. That's why part of this is faith and the other part is saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to just to reveal it to me. I, I can't articulate, I can't explain to you why I know that, I, that I'm loved by God. I just know that I know that I know. And can I tell you, when, when, when you start being able to, to see yourself as someone who is chosen and loved by God, it changes you. All of a sudden you walk with that, with that extra little bit of confidence. Not, not because you think that you're better than anybody else, but because you know that, that, you, that God is with you. You know that God is for you. You, you. you know that God, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You know that the Bible says that God, he, he likes to give good things to his children. It gives him great pleasure and great delight to give good things to his kids. We're loved and we're chosen by God. Number two, you can write this down, that not only are we loved and chosen by God, but we are holy and blameless before God. Ephesians chapter one, verse four, the apostle Paul, he's writing, this is just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Listen, that, someone say that, that, that we should be holy and without blame. Jesus, or just as, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Pause. He chose us so that, so, so there, there's a purpose to his love. There's a purpose to his choosing and the purpose to his love and his choosing so that we can be holy and blameless. If you're anything like me, you, you read this verse and initially what you think is that's like a pep talk. Have you ever been given a pep talk by your parents? You ever been given a pep talk by your coach? All right, big, big play, last play of the game. We're all counting on you. Don't screw it up. We believe in you. 
Like you ever get like like I give a pep talk to my kids every single night. You, you know what the pep talk is? All right, guys. All right, so let's let's remember the morning time is what? Quiet time. Yeah. Okay, so tomorrow morning, when we get up, no matter how early that is, you can get up at 3 a.m. As long as you don't wake me up, we 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 have no trouble, okay? So morning time is quiet. All right. Hey, let's let's remember this is your bed. That's my bed. This is your room. That's my room. I feel like a bad dad to tell you to not come to my room, but I'd like to convince you if there's any way possible, do not come to my room. I want to sleep all night, and I want to finish sleeping whenever I want to finish sleeping. We, we, we do this little pep. We, we, we look at verses like this, like that's a pep talk. All right, guys, God loves you. Oh, that's awesome. All right, God's chosen you awesome. All right, all right. But he's chosen you and loved you to be holy and blameless. So get it together. It's actually not at all what this verse is talking about. That word holy, Pastor Gil did a phenomenal sermon on holiness. I would encourage you to go find that teaching and listen to it. But that word holy, it just means something sacred, something separate, something, for lack of better words, something special. Like like when, when you get that brand new pair of shoes or something, and it's like, these are not gym shoes. These are not go cut the grass shoes. These are not go play basketball in the driveway. These are like my new special shoes. I, I was telling the first service, like this thing I don't understand right now. Um, and I say in youth culture, that just shows you how old and how un-in or cool or trendy I am. But like, there's this whole thing like to not put creases in your shoes. Have you heard about this? We, I, I saw a kid, he, he was walking like this. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, heal those legs. What's going on here? And, and some of the youth are like, no, 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 no. Like his legs are cool. Like it's fine. He doesn't want to get creases in his shoes. Now, this is not the sermon, but I'm like, what world do we live in that it's cooler to walk like this, what's up, man, than to have creases in your shoes? But, but it's like you get something like a new pair of shoes, like no creases, no spots. These are my, no, 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 no. I would not. I remember I had a friend that he, he bought this brand new pair of Kobe's back, back, back when we were in high school, basketball shoes. And went to, to the Y. I'm like, hey, you're not wearing your new shoes. No, 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 no. Those are not to play basketball in. Those, so someone's like, oh no, Lord, no. No, don't, don't you mess with the Jays or the Kobe's. Oh Lord, no. And I'm like, but, but that's what holy means. It's something special, something sacred, something that is, that is a valued treasure of yours. You know, blameless means, blameless means with, without imperfection. So, so what Paul is really saying is not, listen guys, you're chosen by God because he loves you. So get it together. The morning time is quiet time. It's my bed. It's your, no, what, what he's saying is, hey, can, can, can you see that God, he so loved you and desired relationship with you that he made a way through Jesus, even though you couldn't earn it and you couldn't deserve it. And even though you have no way possible of living up to it in fullness, that he made a way for you in him. But again, remember, because you're covered in him to be, to be his special treasure that he values and he sees as so, so special and so, so, so unique. It's his, it's his treasured possession and he, and he considers you. The New Living Translation says blameless in his eyes. In his eyes, he sees you without spot or wrinkle or crease. You're holy. You're blameless. But I know a lot of people understand it here, but you still think about yourself and you still relate to God and you still see the world and see yourself through this lens like you're that, you're, you're that messed up, casual, normal pair of cutting the grass shoes. You're the once white New Balances that are now a neon green. And it's not because they were made neon. I tell you, that's not who you are. You've been covered. Paul says, no, you're covered. See, here's the thing about God's kingdom that I don't think we get sometimes. God gives us our identity first and then calls us to grow up and walk in that identity. God does not make us earn the name on the back of the jersey. 
I, no, no, I, I don't make my kids earn their last name. Hi, my, 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 my name is Elisha Graham Dearman. No, it's not, son. No, it's not. Dearmans are respectful. They love people. They're kind. And you've been none of those things today. So that last name will, will maybe, maybe when you're five. And that's not like what kind of weird, twisted parent. But, but why do we think about God like that? I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just not, not there. Like, again, we have these Christian sayings that we think are like cute or cliche, but they mess up our theology. Ah, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's not even theologically correct. Like, thank you. I agree. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. Like, I was a sinner. I was dead in my sin and trespass. I still do sinful things. I still do things that I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have. I did. But, but that's not who I am. It doesn't define me. It doesn't, that's not how God sees me. God sees me as holy and blameless. I am his special preserved treasure that in his eyes is without spot, without fault. Why? Because Jesus who knew no sin became sin. Because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, one without fault, without failure. He didn't miss it one time and his perfection went to the cross and took the place for my imperfection. And now by putting my faith and trust in him, I've been brought in to, to Christ, into his covering. And therefore I now get to receive the identity as blameless, perfect, holy. Wow. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, God by one sacrifice, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are still being made holy. That's what sanctified means. Those who are still in process, still a work in process. Bible says, Romans 5, 1, therefore having been justified, that word justified means to be declared righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Some, some people like to, to say it that way. Therefore having been declared right with God by, by faith, by simply going, oh man, I need a superhero. I need a savior. I've been on this wheel for so long trying to find joy and find fulfillment. I just, I, I can't do it. I give up. I surrender by faith. We've been made right with him. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Can I tell you, not only are we, not only are we chosen and are we loved, and not only are we in his eyes special, his special treasure, holy and blameless, but hear me this morning, we are the children of God. Brandon, why, like, that sounds so, I don't know, Hallmark. Like I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been a pastor's kid my entire life. And things like this always made me kind of want to gag. You're the, you're, you're the child of God. And I'm like, that's not, that doesn't, like that, I don't, look, gross. I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't it just, it seems too, hall, like, it seems too Hallmark. It seems too cliche, too, too cheesy. But can I tell you why this is a, a portion of our identity that we must embrace? Because we must realize that because we are the children of God, we have full access to the Father and to all that is in his house. Like, I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but the house that I grew up in, I knew that all that was in my parents' house, like, I had access to. So, so I had access to my mom and dad. That's why I probably, like my kids do, would too often when I was little, can, 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 can I sleep in your bed? It's because I, I just knew from a, from a child, I have access to my mom and dad. I, I, I can, at any point in time, I can call my mom and dad. I, I can pick up the phone. I remember as, as a, a younger kid and I grew out of this because I realized it wasn't appropriate, but you know, my parents are pastors and I just felt liberty to like open office doors. Hey, what's going on? It's like pastoral counseling appointment. Like someone's life is falling apart. And I'm like, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, dad, I was curious. Can I get five bucks to go to? But I, I just, I always knew I had access to my, my mom and dad. And I had access to all that was in our house. Can I tell you, I didn't act that way when I went to friends' houses. No, no, because I'm a guest in this house. This is not my home. These, the, this is not my mom and dad, but there's something about us getting this revelation. I'm actually, 
I've actually been adopted into God's family. It's part of the reason I love the New, the New Living Translation because it says we've been brought into his family through adoption. Why? Because he wanted to, because it was his good pleasure to do so. He didn't have to. No one twisted his arm. No, he so desired you and I, and we got separated from him. And therefore he said, no, 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 this will not do. I will prepare. I will make a plan for my chosen and my beloved to come back into this family so they can have access to me and all that is in my house. Ephesians 1, 3, listen to what it says. Having been pre predestined, I'm sorry, I was reading the wrong scripture on the wrong screen. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, who has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Why? Because we've been adopted into this family. It says in verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Past tense. We have We've already received an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is that verse saying? That because God predetermined and prepared and preplanned for us to be brought into his family, we've already received an inheritance. Problem is, there's a lot of Christians, and a lot of believers today, you don't know what belongs to you because you don't know you're a part of the family like that. You, you still feel like you're on the outside, like you're a guest in the house because you haven't fully been able to receive. No, I'm a son of the most. Just like God said to Jesus in, in Luke chapter three, today, behold, my beloved son in who I am well pleased. The same words are spoken over me. Behold, my beloved sons and daughters in whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of them. I'm at peace with them. See, we, we just don't know we have access Romans chapter five, verse two, we read verse one, but verse two, it says, because we're at peace with God, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hebrews 4, 16 says we can now come boldly. We can now come with confidence to God's throne room and receive from him everything and anything that we need, the throne room of grace to receive mercy and help in the time of need. Can I tell you this morning, it's who you are. It's, it, it's who you are. You are chosen and loved by God. You, you are God's holy, blameless, special treasure in whom he's well-pleased. You have been brought in and you are a son or a daughter of God who has full access to the father and to all that is in his house. So here's the question. Great, I know that intellectually now. Thank you so much. If there was a test, I could maybe get the right answers. Awesome. But that doesn't mean I believe it. That doesn't mean it's gonna do a thing for me on Tuesday morning when I step into that meeting, how do I get convinced? Glad you asked. Close with this, Ephesians chapter one, verse 15 through 19. And worship team, you can come up and um, help me close for the next 30 minutes if you'd like. Kidding, kidding, come on. Every single week, it's, it, it's my joke. The worship team always complains that I keep them up here too long for the closing. And so every week I find a way to tease them. But Ephesians chapter one, verse 15, here's what Paul writes. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, 
And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? I don't know if this is actually how it happened. But when I, when I read Ephesians chapter one, I, I read verses one through 14 and, and I really am just overwhelmed by how good God is and, and how incredible this love is that he poured upon you and I. How incredible it is that, that he actually chose me. Like sometimes I, I think about God like that like that public figure that, that, that we all know him, but I'm not really sure that they, they know who I am. But I'm overwhelmed by the reality that the Bible says, no, God, he knows my name. That before I was born, he, he knew me inside and out. He knows the number of hairs on my head. My dad's favorite joke is, or the lack thereof. He knows the number of hairs on, on my head. He knows my thoughts. Proverbs 5.21 says that he, he's actually watching and he ponders, he's thinking about. He's, he, he has careful concern over all my ways. He knows my going in and my coming out, my right. Like, like God is intricately aware and has careful concern for every minute detail of your life. God already knows. Sometimes we, we carry things like, I, I just, I don't know, I've just been really struggling if I should. God already knows. He knows, he sees. And he doesn't know and see in, 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 a, in a condemning way. He knows and sees in a careful, concerned way because he's our father. He loves us and he desires good for us. And I'm overwhelmed in Ephesians 1 through 14, all, just all the scripture of God. God knows me and he chose me and he loved me and he's made a way for me in him that, that despite my sin and my shortcomings, that I can be holy, that I can be blameless. And it's like we get to verse 15. And it's all, again, I don't know if it happened like this, but it's almost as if Paul stops and goes, but like, how are they really gonna get this though? Paul's writing in, in a Roman prison inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul's writing in a Roman prison under the inspiration of God's spirit. Paul doesn't just know these things. He knows that he knows that he knows them. And it's like Paul stops and goes, but how are they gonna know? Verse 15, he says, you know, since the first day I heard about you, since Easter 2022, when you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, first day I heard about you and your desire to follow Jesus and to love people and walk in his ways and do the right thing. And from the first day, he said, I've been praying for you. And Paul's prayer isn't, I've been praying you'd be more disciplined, you know? been praying that you wake up a little earlier, go to bed a little earlier. been praying you do less scrolling and more meditating in this than somebody's praying. He said, I'm, I'm praying for you that God himself, through his spirit, that he would, the New Living Translation says, that he would flood you with light, that he would open up your eyes, that he would open up your understanding, that you would know, that you'd be persuaded You'd be convinced, three things, the hope of this calling, that no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what is weighing on your shoulders, that there is an expectation of good, a hope because of his finished work, that you would know what the riches of your inheritance is, that you, that you, you would have this, this aha moment and realize, oh my goodness, the whole time I've been standing in the middle everything I need because he's already, he's already provided it for me. And that you would know what is the power of God. What is the power of God that raised Christ from the dead and still works in us that anything is possible. Do, do you know how we get convinced of our identity? It, it is not through just, just trying harder. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. What, what we need is not more intellectual concept. What we need is not more feel-good inspiration. What we need is an encounter with the Spirit of God that opens our eyes and gives us revelation that we know that we know that we know. This was not the sermon that I was uh, gonna preach this morning. I had a whole different sermon and a whole different series, but fr fr Friday morning, 
I went walking. I preached this exact sermon on Wednesday night at youth and I was just rehearsing for me these thoughts. I, I, I don't mean to sound more spiritual because it really wasn't a spiritual thing. I woke up early, my kids were all still sleeping and I thought, if I leave the house, they might stay asleep. I'm gonna go for a walk. And I, I was just thinking about what I preached on Wednesday. And I wasn't praying because it was a prayer walk. I just started talking to God. I just said, God, I thank you so much that I really am chosen. I thank you so much, God, that I really am. I really am loved by you. God, thank you that all of these things that I think define me don't define me, but I've been covered by you. And I'm very special to you. I don't get it. I don't fully understand it. But God, I just thank you that I'm special to you, that you see me as blameless. Thank you, God, that you call me a son and that at any point I have access to you. Anything that I need as a dad and a husband, just trying to do my best that God, you've, you've already given me access to it. And all of a sudden, it's like what Paul was praying, the Holy Spirit started flooding me with light. And all of a sudden, in a way that I cannot, cannot articulate, I just start knowing that I know that I know that I, I got more convinced and more confident. Why? Because it is a God thing. I'll say it again. What we do not need is more intellectual concepts and feel-good inspirational moments. What we need is an encounter with God. And can, can, can I tell you, it's maybe not the only way, but can I tell you one of the, the, the surest ways the Bible teaches to have an encounter with him? It's to spend time meditating in his word. Meditate. That's, that's like, what, please explain. Meditate is not sitting Indian style, doing whatever this is, like listening to like vibey music. Bible meditation is taking his word and it's getting it in your heart and it's thinking about it and it's, and it's talking about it. But by the way, you're already really good at this. Come on, we, we all have things we're already meditating on. It's the things you're thinking about on, on cycle and the things you're talking about to other people all the time and to yourself. And here's what the Bible teaches us, that, that what we actually come to hold as truth, have faith and confidence in, it's usually determined by what we're meditating on. I can get confident real quick in my fear and my worry. Oh, I can. If I think about it enough and I talk about it, and I convince myself and, and, and convince others, this is really, but, but, but I can also get confident really quick knowing this is who God says that I am. This is my identity. This is what God has promised. This is what God has said. Why? Because, because when we take time to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. How do I get faith, confidence in my identity? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We, we, we gotta learn to meditate on that thing. And I close with this. You, you certainly don't have to, but I, I, I wanted to make this available. This is a card that we made for our students that I think would be a huge resource to you if you wanted to grab it. it, it it's available at our, at our welcome desk. It's nothing special or fancy. It's literally a Word document that I printed and cut. It's nothing to write home about. But, but, but I gave this to our students on Wednesday night just as a practical take home, as a daily declaration. That sounds really spiritual. Ah, not really. Just a, a daily resource to remind myself and meditate on who God says that I am. It just says I'm loved and chosen. I'm holy and blameless in his sight. I'm a child of God and I have full access to God and all he's provided. I challenge our students on Wednesday. I'll challenge you that, that you would take these, these thoughts, these realities I think there's somewhere between 20 to 25, 26 scriptures on here that I put on this card just to, to, get, to, to, to get in my heart, to get in our heart. Hey, this is, this is what God's, who God says, but here's actually the scripture that says it so I can get confident. I, I would challenge you, I'd encourage you that you would take this and say, God, I can't like memorize all these, but maybe I could just take like one scripture a day and I could read it and think about it Brandon, how in the world is that going to help me? It's not going to help me on Tuesday when, when I walk into a meeting. You may be wrong. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into situations 
And all of a sudden, I just start feeling, feeling anxious. I start feeling worried. And I just stop and go, hold, hold on. God, I thank you that your word says that you've not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and peace and a sound mind. God, I thank you that John 3.16 says, I'm so loved by you. You, you gave your son, Romans 5, 8 says, you already proved it, you already demonstrated it. Also, God, I thank you right now I'm, that I'm loved by you. You promise you'd never leave me, you never forsake me. And I just, I just take moments to, to meditate, remind, stir myself up. And can I tell you, not overnight, but little by little, by little, by little, by little. I am so, so convinced about things right now. I'm, I'm so confident in things that you would have talked to me a couple years ago. And I'm like, I don't know if I even believe that. Why? Because little by little by little, what does the Bible say? The kingdom is like a farm. You plant seed and you water it. And little by little, as we just start meditating in God's word, God, I want to get confident in who you say that I am. God, I want to be secure and confident in the identity I've been given. And I don't feel very confident right now. So God, I'm just going to take time every day. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to ask that Holy Spirit, you would come and you would convince me and you would help me make this a reality. I'm telling you, God will meet you there. God will meet you in that place. And I promise you, I don't, I don't know a way other, other than that to say it, it changes everything. When you can stand in the middle of life storms and go, I am loved and chosen by God. I'm holy, I'm blameless before him. I'm a son of the most high God and I have no idea how it's gonna work out. And yeah, I'm kind of nervous, but, but I'm also confident because he's with me. He won't forsake me, he, he won't fail me. He hasn't done it once, he, he never will. And none of this is based on my performance. It's all because of you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. In you, it's who I am. This is who I am. And there's confidence and security in that. Can I pray for you this morning? God, I pray today that in my feeble attempt, my very humble, feeble attempt to just share with your people what's so burning in my heart, something that I, I believe you assigned me to bring this morning. I pray that God, that you would use it, that you would continue to use it, that Holy Spirit in a way that that surpasses intellect and surpasses inspiration, that God, you would cause us to become confident and secure, assured, your word says, that we are who you say we are, that we are not defined by our success or failure. We are not defined by what we have or have not done. We are not defined by what we can or cannot do. We are defined by the finished work of your son. We are the chosen, loved sons and daughters of the most high God in whom you are well pleased. And in your eyes, we are special. We are your treasure and we are without blemish. We are without spot. We are without crease or wrinkle. God, I pray that you would get that in our heart and that as we become confident in where we stand and in who we are, that it would begin to little by little change and transform us from the inside out. I pray like Paul prayed, Lord Jesus, would you, would you flood our hearts with light? Give us illumination that we might know what is the hope of your calling, the glory of the riches of your inheritance and the exceeding power that raised Christ from the dead that now is at work within us. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.